nature provides so much of that sensory input that children need and have been used to for like thousands, you know, since the dawn of humanity. It's like yeah. a return to our origin. And that, that's, that origin is still important for us. It sets in motion so much developmentally. So a child is born to this world very much still a hunter-gatherer. And what would a hunter-gatherer child want? It, want, it, it identifies, it sees a rock, a stick, water, it, it understands that, you know, there's, mm. there's no, there's no issues there, you know, like, I get this, like, I can play with this, like, human beings have been playing with this for thousands of years, you know. We can learn so much from watching the way children move, and in particular, when they're playing with other children in nature. My guest today, Bianca Hagen, remembered being frustrated in school when she had to sit still and listen for long periods. So when she had her own children, she decided their education had to incorporate movement, nature and play to do her best to ensure they would thrive into resilient, happy, confident adults. Learning so much about this for her own children led to wanting to help other children have the same benefits. So she started up Hidden Valley Forest School in Virginia. Whether you have young children, are a caregiver or grandparent, or even just reflecting on how movement made you feel as a child and wanting to find some of that joy again, Bianca talks about how important both nature and movement are in everyone's lives through the lens of childhood. I started this conversation reflecting on my own children's school experiences. So when I had uh, my three boys, I was not even vaguely thinking about having anything other than mainstream schooling. The only thing that was different for me was that my wonderful flatmate, who was then turned into my bridesmaid, um, st was studying to be a Montessori teacher when we lived together in London. And I just loved the whole philosophy of the really, the child-led learning and also the interest in nature and the world. Um, and when my kids started school, they didn't have much of that, apart from the fact that my choice in schools, luckily for me, did involve outside space and some movement, but that's often not the case. And I think also, People sometimes just don't think that there are other options, but it was clearly different for you because when you had children, you decided that you wanted to make some specific choices. And that's what led to you thinking about this amazing school that you've set up in Virginia. Mm -hmm. So what sort of made you start thinking about how important it was to be in nature as a child growing up and in education? Um, well, I, I, I guess we would have to tr trace back to when I first became a mom, because before that, honestly, I feel like I was like the majority of people, right? You just kind of, you know, you, you kind of go through the, uh, through life kind of, you know, doing the things that you have always known, what we've always known feels more comfortable. And a lot of times that's more traditional schooling. That's more like sitting at a desk. Um, and when I had my own kids, I just, I don't know, something t turned on in my brain. I started like really questioning a lot of things. I started questioning because I wanted to understand my children better too. I wanted to be a better mom. So I just started to like read a lot about, you know, child development. Um, I read about all the educational approaches. I, I just wanted to set my kids up in an environment 
where they would thrive, right? They could be the, not like the best they could be, but the happiest they could be. And I felt like if they were the happiest they could be, then they would thrive with whatever choices they would make. Um, so a lot of my research pointed to Montessori, to these you know alternative uh, types of education, like Reggio Emilia, um, and eventually to forest schooling, um, especially what they're, they've been doing in Scandinavia and parts of Europe for the last 50 years. And, um, and it really opened my mind to, wow, like the importance that of having children experience nature. And it, it also made me look back to the most significant experiences I had as a kid. And honestly, they always involved being out in nature. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, concurrently, yeah, con- concurrently with that, um, I was also reading a lot about movement, um, just moving more. Uh, like Katie Bowman and all those people, like they really opened my mind to the importance of moving. Um, because to be frank, like I, I had been in gymnastics as a kid. I had been this high energy kid, um, but always kind of like forced to sit at the desk, you know, forced to like listen to the teacher at the blackboard, you know. And as a kid, I always felt very frustrated. So when I had my own children, I looked back to those moments and I started thinking like, if I could just place them in an environment that they wouldn't feel that frustrated, you know, that they could explore the world more, um, then that would be great. Um, so, so like the, the, the world of movement and yeah, go ahead. So I was going to ask, so your uh, own experience of school um, was one where you remember being frustrated by those circumstances. Oh, yes. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I know you know, for, for a lot of people like school, the traditional way school works, you know, my husband is one of them. I mean, he excelled, he thrived, he did really well. Uh, but for me, I, you know, my mom had to put me in gymnastics because I was always climbing up the walls, you know? Um, and so (laughs) I, it it was challenging for me to have to sit, um, for hours on end and just listening and listening and not really learning with my hands and not being able to go outside. Right. Yeah. So, so those both worlds came together, the importance of movement and, you know, how children thrive. And they came beautifully together in forest schools because you get that fresh air, you, you get that child led uh, environment, you get the different terrains for movement. Um, it's, it's just beautiful. And, and it really became so apparent when, once I started my forest school a couple of years ago, where I, I just see children coming here and thriving and being so excited to be here um, with with little like it, it's not like we're providing them this like high tech, you know, this expensive no. environment. We're we're providing them the forest, you know, uh, like sticks and rocks, a creek, um, sand, you know, like things that we like our natural playscape I'm referring to. But, you know, and they just thrive here. And the funny thing is that the parents come back. And always tell me like, oh my gosh, my my kid is learning so much here. He, he's learning way more than when he was at the other school. And I was like, wow, that is that's pretty amazing because we're we're playing the whole time. You know, we're very play based. Um, so but obviously, they're learning. Might, they're learning a ton. But obviously, you must um, make them feel um, quite curious um, in their environment. Mm-hmm. Curious in in understanding their sort of place in it all. Um, that must be 
part of the gift that you're giving them that then I presume you hope then learn mm-hmm. leads on to curiosity in life. Well, yes, but I also believe that every child is born with that heart wired into them. It's in their DNA. Human beings are wired to want to learn, to want to explore. They, they, they're just born with it. I mean, a child learns how to walk and talk and learn the ABCs and one, two, three, before the age of five. You know, that, that curiosity about the world and absorption of knowledge doesn't stop at age five. You know, and I feel like a lot of traditional schools feel that way, that after age five, you know, the, the child needs to sit down and there's only one way of learning. And, and that's not necessarily true. I mean, children never stop learning. They never stop, stop having that enthusiasm. So in the forest school approach, um, what the children need, they don't need a biologist. They don't need, you know, a scientist, although that would be helpful. But, you know, you, they just need an adult who's enthusiastic about being in nature with them. That is okay. key. Like, and anyone could be that. And usually that's a mom and a dad, right? It's like, oh, what? that's that tree is so amazing, right? I wonder what kind of tree that is, you know? Um, or look at this insect, guys. Like, you know, we're exploring in nature with them. And then the learning just like, whoosh, just takes off. It's just so natural. There doesn't and, need to be this over planning, you know. And you have um, a, it's it's multi age, I presume. So, what age does the right. does it go up to? Uh, so currently, my school goes up to age five slash six. Um, so it's um, yeah, age three and a half to five or six. Um, and next year, we're hoping to add um, kindergarten through second grade. So which is what it would, age? it would go up to age eight, eight. about age eight, eight yeah. or nine, mm-hmm. okay. more like eight. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And 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 perhaps yeah. beyond. So we had we uh, I subsequently um, after my kids were all in their schools, I found a forest school nearby that um, actually goes um, right up through the ages. It cannot stop if you want it to. Um, Mm -hmm. and my children used to, some of them spent some time there in the summers and it was their Mm -hmm. happiest space ever where they were completely felt completely free. Um, they weren't Mm -hmm. free in terms of there were boundaries, but they really felt free. Um, and it was Mm -hmm. completely all about play, um, and just very physical. And I wanted to talk about that sort of physicality of it because obviously mm-hmm. with a school like you're saying so my children I can't remember exactly what age but there was there used to always be circle time on the carpet where you would read and they would be you know um, like in my world down on the floor where of course mm-hmm. they are getting they're able to wriggle and move and it's important and they respond to their body by changing position and it's fine to do that. Mm-hmm. It's quite amazing why it's fine to do that in that scenario. But then all of a sudden, they're lifted to chair height. And even mm-hmm. in assemblies or whatever, they are, it's all mm-hmm. on chairs. And they're no longer encouraged to get to the floor at really quite an early mm-hmm. age. Um, and it astounds me, really, because it's so important that we are sort of touching the floor, getting down on the floor. And I feel personally that. Part of the reason adults are less inclined to do so, or maybe a little bit abhorrent mm-hmm. of sitting on the floor, is just because they were stopped doing it so early. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. yet, I see lovely photos yeah. on your website and on your social media where children are sort of squatting down in nature, 
just you know <laughs> hands on the floor um and and they're just not thinking yeah. about it um is well, do you feel that that is um something that the, in the way that they move that helps them with their learning oh and yeah play? yeah absolutely and in fact um because you know we're expanding to include like K through kindergarten through second grade, I'm, I've been doing a lot of tours, and there's a lot of like new kids coming in with like my trial days, and it's become so apparent to me the difference between when a kid first starts, and then like compared to the kids who have been here for a year and a half or so. You know, when when sometimes when kids start, you know, they're a little more like, "Ooh, what's that? Like, where am I?" Or yeah. you know, like, "What should I do now?" And then like you know. Fast forward a year, they're just such like, they're so independent, confident, creative, resilient, strong, so like capable of climbing things, jumping off, less um, prone to getting injured. Yeah. The transformation is so significant. I want to write a book about this. Like, <laughs> it, it's so impressive. And I want to tell the parents like, oh my gosh, because it's really reminding me of how some children looked like when they first started, you know, so I'm, I'm really seeing that stark difference. And like a lot of children nowadays, I don't know how it's like in England, but certainly here in the U.S., a lot of children are not going into nature anymore. They're not moving as much anymore. Um, we're becoming increasingly a, a more insular like isolated culture, you know, we're all in our homes, our homes are getting bigger, you know, so like the the yard, the garden that you have back, you know, outside, mm -hmm. it's just not as big any, anymore, like your house is just bigger, you know, um, for those yeah. of us who can, you know, the people who can afford it, obviously, but you know, like of middle course. class, like, you see the houses becoming bigger. And you you go to a lot of neighborhoods. And in fact, we used to live in one where children like there were children there. Every house had a child and you never saw them outside. They, there were never any children playing outside, you know. Um, and I know there's a lot of factors to there. You know, people are afraid of crime and all that stuff. But um, but children don't come out any, anymore and they're not moving as much with all the technology as well. But yeah, but here at, at my school, like uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm really happy to provide a space where kids come here and they move and play and explore and learn for like five hours a day, you know, and ground them and out outside. It's amazing. Do you, do you find that when they then go home, do the do the parents report that they um, have different expectations of their lives at home? If you see what I mean. So, where before perhaps there was mm. TV and screens and so on, are they more inclined to mm. sort of be more creative in their own space? Mm, that that's a good question. I haven't asked them that, but I. I would, I would think that that's the case, or uh, they might just be very tired because, like, <laughs> I I hear about kids, uh, like, oh, my my son never naps, but you know, when he comes here, he he often does nap. Like, so I I feel like it kind of wipes them out too because it's like five hours, of, you know, and sometimes when the weather is nice, it's five hours of us being outside, and we do move a lot. I mean, I I always follow the kids' lead, you know, um, but also try to kind of like you know, facilitate more like quieter, quieter times. But, but like, you know, it just goes to show like how much children, the human child is so wired for movement because that's what they want. It seems like that's what they want to do all day. You know, I, even when they're sitting on the floor, they're moving, you know, they're yes. never just still. There's not no such thing as a still child. <laughs> and to draw back and sort of um, think about this from a, a human in general movement perspective I think we can learn so much from 
watching children, watching the way, way they move, watching the sort of initial developmental patterns, but also their sort of ability to um, to want to explore using their body. And even just that conversation about sitting on the floor and the fact that they want to move more. Um, I find it so interesting mm -hmm. that people have these ideas in their head that, for example, if you sit on the floor, you need to sit, you know, cross-legged and you need to sit in one mm -hmm. position. And one position. if you can't sustain that for however long, then almost you failed. When in fact, it's the absolute opposite. It's about being able to have a repertoire of different ways of sitting and, and allowing that kind of um, niggly feeling of, oh, I need to shift now to let you shift, to get mm -hmm. that extra bit of movement yeah. in. So actually, we could learn so much from children in that in that respect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so interesting how, you know, traditional, traditional education, it's almost like, well, if you look at the history of traditional education, I mean, it started in the industrial age and when we had factory workers, right? And we're still approaching education in the same way that we did back then. Like, we really haven't changed the format. But then you have like, you know, like all these like different people coming in, you know, with Montessori and Reggio Emilia. And those are people that actually took the time to observe children and sit down with them and 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 design their educational approach based on what they were observing. So those programs always allow much more movement. And it just still baffles me that, you know, even with a lot of people who are like educational experts, they're very tied to this traditional idea still of the desk, the chair, teacher at the blackboard, children be quiet, listen, you know, like, um, yeah. it's still that same format. And at least I know for sure that that was my experience, you know, growing up. And it just kind of at a certain point, it, it kind of dims the light a little, you know, of, yeah. significantly in some cases. Of and the child, you know, and particularly for some so children. Excited, but. Yeah. And particularly for some children who, um, they actually need movement because of the way their brains are wired to be able to think better. Um, and in fact, they're, they're, you know, they have hugely creative brains, but that creativity is almost slightly dampened by the fact that they're told to move less. Um, and again, I almost think the same is probably true of adults. The fact that we are you know, finding ourselves potentially sat, um, if you're doing a desk job for eight hours a day, it amazes me that we expect of our, uh, of our, the people doing those jobs, creativity and productivity, yeah. when they're so sort of stifled and all their physiology and their internal systems have slowed down to not very much, to then expect that with the lack of blood flow to the brain, us to be doing good jobs is mm. is amazing yeah. um hence why as you know we talk a lot about movement breaks and how that important that is um i wanted to yeah, i wanted it, to i want to just go on go on sorry no mm -hmm. fire away i just wanted i just wanted to make just one quick point before i forget yeah. it but you know i want to say that some of the kids that come to my program you know perhaps in a more traditional setting they would have become an issue because they want to move more um they right. don't necessarily want to sit and and you know for what feels for them hours at a time you know they 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 want to ha have agency you know in their mm. in their life experience if they want to grab a block and build it they want to do it you know they don't want to necessarily especially at that young age be told that no we're going to like sit right now and do some worksheets you know like they some of those kids might have you know been an issue in more traditional settings but they come here and they become leaders they're leaders like 
they're like all you know they're like the other kids just look up into them like oh my gosh i want to do what he's doing and he gets that that kid gets so much confidence you know yeah so it's like the environment is kind of and what what is the internal message that that kid is downloading for the rest of his life you know am i going to be an issue or right here like wow i'm a leader like people can people like my ideas i have important ideas to contribute you know so maybe yeah I, i always feel like the environment can set in motion so many things, you know, depending on the child. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And and um, the the nice thing as well, I, I presume in in your space is that there is um, a whole variety of nature. So it's forest school, but I, I believe you have water there, um, and so you have obviously you've got space. You've got the the trees to touch and play with. Um, and so on. So I presume that it's a very sensory experience as well. And I think that's what's also dampened and shut down in traditional schools um, is this inability mm -hmm. to have that sort of sensory experience that I see so many kids. I, you know, you, you can see kids that like to sort of play with their their clothing or whatever, because they're, they're mm -hmm. desperately wanting this sort of sensory yeah. um way into the world and yet that's potentially shut down but you're providing that in nature aren't you oh yeah it's everywhere right i mean and it just goes to show too like how our dna is you know we're still very much hunter gatherers you know like okay we're modern human beings we're more civilized but like our dna we haven't changed much since we were hunter gatherers and so a child is born to this world very much still a hunter gatherer and what would a hunter gatherer child want it, it, it identifies, it sees a rock, a stick, water. It, it understands that, you know, there's, mm. there's no, there's no issues there. You know, like I get this, like I can play with this, like human beings have been playing with this for thousands of years, you know, um, as opposed to a child who's like maybe born in like my first one was we were very, I was still very much like doing things, you know, like all you know, the, how I had always done. I was more like indoors. So it's like that artificial lights and the plastic toys, you know, and, you know, she had a lot more meltdowns compared to my my two youngest, you know. And so, yeah, the nature provides so much of that sensory input that children need and have been used to for like thousands, you know, since the dawn of humanity. It's like yeah. a return to our origin. And that that's that origin is still important for us. It sets in motion so much developmentally. Right. Yeah. You're so right. And we um it is a really short time in historical terms that we have boxed ourselves in in this way and created these artificial environments. And we uh, you know, I feel it myself as soon as I step outside the door, even, you know, one sniff of fresh air, uh, it doesn't even need to be in nature, just literally going from out from inside my box to outside. And mm -hmm. immediately my mind shifts. Immediately I feel so much better for that shift in environment um and why mm -hmm. why is that well it's obvious it's because mm -hmm. it's it's going back mm -hmm. to where we we came from and and physically again back to to um movement that's it's much mm -hmm. harder to move indoors and this is why people really struggle with not being sedentary and kids not being sedentary when mm -hmm. the whole world is set up to be sedentary with sofas with with all the screens that you know are so useful in some ways to bring it us across you know 
we have such a connected world. We've learned so much about other environments, but we're seeing them through a screen. Mm. And there's even science now right. that's, that says that um, you can get benefit from staring at images of wildlife, which is great, but it's just mm -hmm. not the same. <laughs> and yeah, uh, we, yeah. we don't want to be encouraging that. We want to be encouraging people to, to just get outside uh, and be mm -hmm. and see how they feel in that environment. Because I think it's, it's trying to create that connection with within the person mm -hmm. which you're doing within children so I, I i am sure these children are going to be very connected all their lives and probably really crave mm -hmm. being outdoors and potentially make choices of career that involve mm -hmm. the outdoors because they feel so at home there mm -hmm. and and obviously the opposite is happening for for so many kids where you they just don't have that um that that education i don't mean in the formal sense i just mean this this connection to nature yeah yeah and um you know i mean obviously it's a big uh part of forest school forest schools to you know foster more you know that environmentalist um connection you know foster a connection to to nature uh and hopefully um help you grow up into an adult that you know make more makes more informed decisions when it comes to nature and the environment right um but the research shows that, you know, we don't necessarily have to talk to children, particularly when they're young, about, you know, climate change and the environment and pollution and deforestation. That's a lot for them to carry. Mm. It's a, a lot of, it's just very fear. dark and sad. Yeah. Right. Right. It's a lot of fear. Um, what's really important is to bring them to nature, establish that connection first you know, and th that connection happens when they play in nature. That's why it's so significant, especially if you, you know, if you are interested, you know, environmentalism and, you know, all these environmental issues, you know, in future generations, like bringing children more into nature. So it just has so many aspects to it with the movement, the learning, you know, and creating, you know, humans that, that care more about the world and the, the future of the planet. It all happens with those significant moments uh, in your childhood. Yeah. Or, or those, you know, you know, seemingly simple moments of you just playing in the in the woods, but then you know you find the salamanders and you realize that, gosh, this is not just this green wall. There's like there's uh, like animals that live there. Yeah. You know, there's so much so much going on. You know, and you start understanding it. You know, the intricacies. Maybe yeah. not conceptualizing it in your mind, right. but you start to really like see those things, and you can't really get that just by reading about the Amazon forest and deforestation you know like no. get that more for your own experiences in your backyard <laughs> so give us some examples of so for, for parents who perhaps aren't that conversant with nature themselves because they haven't had it in their upbringing mm. or for grandparents mm. who are walking with grandchildren let's say they know they want to get into nature with them they you know they, they're feeling mm. hemmed in they want to they know that getting out into open space is going to help but they're not kind of sure what to do and obviously going on a long walk is not something that children mm. they love to walk as long as it's there's things along the way so give us some ideas of, of of ways that uh, people can um, just get that inspiration going for children and, and get them interested. I'm not sure. I mean, I think, um, you know, maybe prioritizing, you know, taking your child to the park and that can just be a playground. I don't know, at least here in the States, playgrounds tend to be, um, you know, in very green areas sometimes, you know, so there's, there's always nature around, but 
I think it's also important to note that nature is everywhere. Nature is even right. a, a weed growing in, in some, through some through concrete, right? Nature is everywhere. So just kind of like pointing out these things, you know, to your child, because I think if children have that natural fascination with these things, you know, they're drawn to the weed or to the little ants crawling, you know? So it, it, it nature can be anywhere. It can be your own little, you know, the, the your backyard. Does it have a tree? Does it have a bush? You know, na that's nature. You don't necessarily have to be going to this huge park or, you know, the yeah. Grand Canyon or, you know, no. um, but yeah, like, Hikes are awesome too. I mean, my kids, you know, they've, we've always taken hikes with them. I know not everyone has the time, but we, I find that even adults um, have the same benefits. You know, we go, you go on a, on a hike, even if you're not, if you feel like nature is not your thing, you know, like you just go out there and it's the fresh air, you know, the effects of like the forest, you know, there, there are certain smells that your brain is wired to, to enjoy and appreciate and do well for you phys physiologically right yeah um so it's kind of like just kind of like putting yourself in those situations and just prioritizing that and seeing how that affects your child too because maybe it's not a thing for you but just see how that affects your child and sometimes children might be you know especially if they're not used to it like my children at first were like that you know especially my first child and you know just like eh, you know looking around but you know after a while if you're just you know consistency you know consistent with it you'll see like, you'll see it's the signs starting to show, the po the really positive signs. And I know you are really good at um, modeling movement because you, you have a personal interest in the benefit of moving, not necessarily exercise or whatever. I know we're on the same page with that. And, uh, you know, I've mm. seen you playing in a really childlike way, which I love. It's so inspiring. Mm -hmm. uh, but obviously, a lot of adults don't sort of feel that they can do that in the same way. Mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. uh, again, how would you um, encourage people? Because for example, the parents of the kids that you've got, it wouldn't it be perfect that the kids in your school, if they were doing the same as you? And getting more active and moving mm -hmm. because then they're not only seeing this amazing teacher, you know, jumping around mm. um, and so on, but also seeing their, their adults, their, their caregivers, their parents, their grandparents and so on. So how could you, how would you inspire people to, to move more mm. with their kids, like their kids? Yeah. I mean, just looking back at how I started, you know, this movement journey, you know, the books by Katie Bowman, they were just, they were just so just, I, I was like, wow, this is amazing. I never thought about moving that way. I thought that adults are supposed to move just a certain way. And if you move any other way, that's weird. You should not be doing that, you know, <laughs> but it just opened the, and then I started remembering how, how did I move as a kid? I moved yeah. so much. I did cartwheels and all that stuff, you know? Um, so I just think, you know, maybe find your inner child, you know, yeah. And take baby steps. Um, who are you as a child? I mean, you moved a ton, right? Yeah. What um, did you love? Just take baby what did steps. you enjoy? Yeah. Yeah. Did you like to like spin? I mean, I'm not saying like go all out and just start doing cartwheels. Although I, I did start doing that. Like I kind of went a little, a little <laughs> like crazy with the whole movement stuff. But you know, I, I noticed that when I did those things, I, I, I just felt like the endorphins coming up back, back up again, like when I felt when I was a child, you know, and yeah. that had just died down, you know, because you, you just look at other adults around you and like nobody's moving that way. And then I started to kind of become more like, you know what, 
maybe they should be moving this way. Yeah. So I'm going to start doing cartwheels too, because it's good for me, you know? So, and your house, tell us a mm -hmm. bit about your house, because I've always been really fascinated because your house is basically, um, from what I've seen, a bit like an adventure playground inside. <laughs> yeah, I've, we, I remember yeah, I've seen... I, I, slings i remember you told me um that it was like a yoga <laughs> yeah. yoga slings and then also yeah. um you had a i don't know if this is the same house you had a slide next to your stairs or was that a previous <laughs> house yeah my, still got it that? was a, it was a previous house uh, my husband built a oh, slide going down fun. the stairs and that was fun yeah i mean it, it just it, it kind of shows my evolution with movement because i went from like the house has to look, look a certain way to be all in with movement like you know we gotta hang you know swings and bars and all this stuff where we are the most that's one of katie bowman's main messages right you gotta see them to use them if they're tucked away you're not using them and and my kids you know obviously move a lot as children and so we just went all in and somehow i convinced my husband to just start <laughs> hanging things and and now that we still have it and, and you know my school kids uh, do use um, our swings so it's part of my program. I still want to, you know, get that movement in. So, um, but yeah, and, we, uh, and your, yeah, and your ceilings are okay. They haven't fallen down. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because, uh, we, uh, our living room is a 1920s, um, log cabin. So oh. the, the beams are exposed, uh, but it, at our previous house, my husband did have to build a whole, you know, like, um, make it a little stronger and more yeah. visible, like where we were hanging. Yeah. So you do have to, like, there's a bit of prep with that stuff. But man, it's so worth it. I mean, kids come here and they never want to leave. You know, yeah. it's just so, there's so much movement and play. And, and do yeah, your kids continue really to use them? They don't sort of become part of the furniture in inverted commas? <laughs> um, I think they do use it. That's a good question. Uh, recently, I don't know if it's maybe they're getting a little older. Um, but they they still use it. They really enjoy the gymnastics rings. Um, that just you know the upper body movement. You know they they're just getting that so naturally during the day. So yeah, I mean they they just go maybe through phases and stuff. But um, maybe we should kind of move them around a little just to kind of make it look new again. But but it's it's there, and I I find myself using it too. You know, I need that stretch um, every day. <laughs> Lovely. Yeah. yeah. And your kids are at traditional schools then? They actually go to a nature school, an elementary yeah. nature school. Um, yeah. And, um, yeah. I mean, one of the reasons is the movement part. You know, there's no desks. So they're, <laughs> they're still doing a lot of the academics and stuff like that. But it's very project based. And, you know, they're going on hikes and they're moving all day long, basically. Yeah. They come back covered in mud. I love it. <laughs> That's I amazing. mean, the cleaning part is a little hard, but <laughs> <laughs> but hey, it's still movement. It's all good movement. Isn't it's it? worth that's... it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the difference. No, it's fantastic. Um, so, so obviously, this this people will also be listening who haven't got as much access to sort of the the green spaces. Uh, what would you say in terms of children's movement and development, and so on, when they are more restricted and, and in a more sort of city based setting? yeah it's you know funny i i find that we move a lot when we go vacationing in cities uh you know we take the stairs instead of the elevators we a lot of cities are more walkable so we find ourselves mm. walking more you know it's really like um kind of resisting 
the outsourcement of movement. So you look at an elevator. Yeah, that's more convenient, but couldn't we take the the, the stairs? Like, so I, I always encourage my kids to, let's take the stairs. Like, you know, we let's go up to the fifth floor. Let's see how fast yeah. we can get up there, you know? Uh, it's really becoming a kid again, you know, and not mm. like, you know, like I know like sometimes we see like, you know, seeing the stairs and we're like, oh gosh, gotta take the stairs. You know, if the elevator breaks, you guys like, oh. But if you see it as a kid and as an opportunity for you to do well for your body, you know, like see it on the positive side. Like this is an opportunity for me to move my body. So let's, let's take it, it because there's so many opportunities to just sit down, right? Yeah. Take it, take it where you see it and embrace it. And you'll you'll find that your body starts craving more of that movement. I cannot return to a corporate job. I can't sit nine hours a day like I used to. I just cannot. Like I, my body will just start like raising those red flags, you know, like you got to get up, go, go do something else and then come back. But don't, don't sit here for three hours. Yeah. I would just sit for five hours and not even notice it, you know? So yeah, yeah t- take movement wherever, wherever you see it. And movement yeah. doesn't have to look like exercise, right? It's just, it's Absolutely just like natural. Not. And that's, and that's mm-hmm. the lovely thing about um, when you do have children in your lives, um, because then the play is more automatic and the way that um, children sort of encourage you to move is more playful. So you are la- naturally moving all the time, even, and as well, mm-hmm. you're clearing yeah. up Lego all the time. <laughs> so you're yeah. down on your hands and your yeah. knees, you're, you know, there's stuff everywhere oh. and you're kind of trying to create a space within it so that you're not tripping over it and so on. Yeah, I think yeah. part, part of the problem comes when like me, you have teenage kids and they are mm. not moving in the same way. Uh, for me there, I have three boys, they're all taller than me. <laughs> so it's a very mm-hmm. sort of different thing um, where movement suddenly changes and that's why i really believe that it's important Mm. even at that stage we're really modeling good movement skills even as adults Mm -hmm. and so and and even though they are teenagers and sort of perhaps becoming more self-conscious when we are going out and we're we're sort of moving around city or even on walks they, they still want to play they absolutely want to mm-hmm. always naturally climb on things. It's kind of like that goat mentality mm-hmm. where you, you want to get higher always. Um, yeah. and you want to you yeah. sort of spin around something. There's, they, they still have that feeling. And I'm quite led by that where I want to just do the same. Why would I not follow in that? I think there is, I, mm-hmm. I often will get messages back when I, I'm doing something sort of on a public space where it's like my incredibly mini parkour level <laughs> where I'm just moving around in a public space and people will sort of respond in a, a way of like well almost like I'm not respecting the environment because I'm using it in the wrong uh, way even though it's a really uh, solid railing or whatever and yet the kids right. will just spin around it and it's okay for them to do it but not okay for us so right it, it's yeah it, Things change, but I think it's really important that we do still model that, that allowing allowing them to explore their surroundings, no matter their surroundings, mm-hmm. I think is really key. Yeah, yeah. there's like a cultural shift needs to happen. It's uh, not of cultural or societal, right? This expectation that if you're an adult, you're supposed to move a certain way. And, but uh, I, I don't know. I feel like if more of us do it, and are just more confident about it and just embrace yeah. it and 
Yeah. yeah, I started going to, yeah, my kids don't go to playgrounds that much anymore being in school and stuff. But when we would go to playgrounds, I would just be like, this is an opportunity for me to move. Yes, I do want to go on my phone. I want to sit down. I want to relax. But this is an opportunity for me to go move and also to bond with my child. So I just get up and like start, you know, playing these games with them. And I'd be like the yeah. one of the, like the only mom moving around, you know, like you climb all, climb yeah. up, you slide down, you, you, you land, you know, like all these different movements that you're doing, you know, and yeah, the bonding yeah. was just amazing. So it was like a win-win, you know, that my phone looking back, you know, that it, had I been on my phone, it, I feel like for me, it would have been, an opportunity cost, you know, like just yeah. seeing like the two examples, like, you know, kind of like in those movies that show you the one example and like side by yes. side, like what's happening. Sliding what's doors. Happening. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sliding no, doors. Yeah. 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 Uh, but unfortunately I was that parent sat at the side um, because oh, I, I was a lot. Too. I was not, I was not, I just hadn't found the world of natural movement. I hadn't, I wasn't enabled by, as you say, Katie Bowman's books or um, by mm. any of the sort of playful movement that I now know about. So, I, you know, I, mm. I regret that I didn't. But even now, if my kids, even though they're older, are sort of, you know, attracted towards a play thing in a, in a park or whatever, I'll be there with them for sure. And, yeah. and uh, how cool is that for them? And to, it's so fun. How, how neat it, for them to see you. Like, you know, they're just they're bonding with you like oh my gosh I get to like you know do this with my mom like well, I you had say experience that, with my mom when I was older but, but really? then it gets, <laughs> to a certain, it gets to a certain age where it's like oh mom I'm so, so embarrassing mom. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm yeah. sorry to see a bit of that with my 10 year old yeah <laughs> yeah it creeps in in those tween years for sure and, yeah and then it all but changes. I think they'll but I think they'll look back, you know, maybe 20 years from now when they have their own kids. Man, I used to do this with, with my mom. This was fun. Yeah. We used yeah. to go in that log over there, you know. I mean, it's like it's such a neat memory. And then hopefully as well as a grandparent that you will be. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is why one of the main reasons that I keep moving the way I do and that I'm so um, fixated on ensuring that my body is in as good shape as it can be functionally and practically so that I can then be that grandparent who is really happy playing on the ground with them for as long as they want me there but also is willing to take a few little risks um so which they are not seeing in other people around them to make sure that it is mm -hmm. modeling that good behavior and and multi-generational yeah. play is is so beneficial because even in, in many societies still around the world there, it is much more multi-generation. They people live together mm -hmm. and they learn from from what they see around them. And even grandparents mm -hmm. are still working very hard in in sort of manual tasks and being very physical. Where often mm -hmm. in in our Western culture we're not seeing that so much. Um, they're not mm -hmm. seeing that that sort of that that level of movement. And therefore, obviously, right. we get into this narrative that as you get old, you slow down you sh or you should slow down or it should happen naturally mm -hmm. which none of which is right. necessarily needed it doesn't need to be the case and, and my belief mm -hmm. is that retirement is about getting going <laughs> mm -hmm. in a way yeah to, to it's almost like that's when life starts <laughs> yeah to and and to try and counteract anything that it, you know could be becoming more difficult in your body um because of the mm -hmm. aging process so yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Um, mm-hmm. I was going to say, I was just uh, to to wrap up. It's been a lovely conversation, and so mm-hmm. and having not having young children myself anymore, but remembering it vividly. Um, I, I'm very envious of you having such an amazing environment to provide, not just to your kids, but to other children and seeing the, the benefits that you're seeing. Um, so what would you what would you say to people about um, whether it's worth if they've got really young children, for example, or their grandchildren are very young about forest schools and the importance of forest school play even or or searching for one that is entirely a forest school or searching for schools that have forest days for example what would you say Mm -hmm. really makes forest schooling stand out and why is it such an important thing in your opinion for Mm. for children growing up i I think it's um returning to basics i think forest school is a return to basics it's a return to how human beings have always learned and we've taken that away from human children from children you know for the last um i don't know how many years maybe 100 120 years like we've removed that right with the industrial revolution and all that stuff and now a lot of the research that you know in education in child development is pointing towards that return um, that we've just kind of moved so far away from that. And the children are telling us, like, the, you know, the, the research is telling us that children are suffering. They're, they're telling us in the data, there's a lot more mm-hmm. depression, anxiety. They're telling us that this isn't working. And we need to yeah. kind of start maybe looking at how, how, how it is in basic terms. How do children learn in basic terms? You know, let's not complicate things so much, you know. Um, I highly recommend if, you know, forest school, like, you know, full-time forest school isn't, you know, something that you, you you could do, but at least look into maybe, you know, in the summers, let them go to a forest school program, you know, that, let them experience, you know, nature and, and the forest, forest school approach, at least in the summer. Or if you have a preschool child, let them go to forest school once, once a week. That, that, that is enough right there. Um, yeah. You know, dip your toes in there and see how your child reacts. Because I, I feel like a lot, if not every single parent that puts their kid in forest school, they they end up becoming the, the biggest fans because they just see the benefits in their children. You know, and I, I hear that so much. They just say, I love this forest school approach, the play, the nature. My kids are thriving. Like the word thriving is so yeah. cent- central to forest schooling, you know. Yeah. They and really are and, thriving uh, here. Just and. And it's sadly mm-hmm. not necessarily the case in a lot of, of children's situations. Th- the word thriving, you couldn't genuinely use. So it's it's amazing that so many of your parents are saying that because it, it truly must mm-hmm. be, there must be a really big ticket there um, to, to how we mm-hmm. should be incorporating that in all types of schooling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there, there, I think there's, it's a beginning, uh, there's a beginning of that return, even in more traditional schools where I see some, some schools having like a forest day, you know, a lot of schools, they back, back up to the woods and they're starting to kind of explore that a little more. So I think there, there is a a beginning of a shift. Um, So it's, it's hopeful. (laughs) I have 
I'm it really for the future. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's good. That's a lovely, lovely note to end on. A nice positive note. So thank you so much, so yes. much for sharing your time today um, and and your experiences. Um, it was really lovely to talk to you. Oh, likewise. Thank you so much for giving me this platform to, to talk about this. I could talk for like ages. <laughs> I always love hearing my guests' movement stories or learning from them about topics they're passionate about. I hope you've enjoyed listening. And if you have, you can help by doing three things. First, press the follow button to tell podcast platforms you want to listen again. Second, please give the show a five-star rating and leave a review about why you liked it. And third, I'd love you to share it with friends and family or on your socials, for which I'm truly thankful. Finally, if this podcast is making you want to start reclaiming your own movement, join me in the Reclaim Movement membership for classes, both live and by replay, and countless videos of mini movement breaks to add into your daily life, covering practical and fun, important natural movements. Visit reclaimmovement.co.uk forward slash membership to get started with your seven day free trial. See you for the next episode and thank you so much for listening.